Welcome to Filmstrip. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Irina. We're here to review Dear Evan Hansen, starring Ben Platt, Caitlin Deaver, Amandala, Sten- Amandala Stenberg, Nick Dodani, Colton Ryan, Danny Pino, Amy Adams, and Julianne Moore. Based on the award-winning smash hit Broadway musical by Stephen Levinson, music and lyrics by Benji Pasek and Justin Paul, directed by Stephen Jabotsky. It's in theaters now, September 2021, on a budget of $28 million. And, uh, well, we'll talk about how it's been received and things. But this all started because I got a I, – I had known about this musical for a good bit, thanks to you, Irina. I had downloaded the soundtrack and loved the music. And this, you know, I was like, oh, I got to go see this. And then the pandemic happened and that didn't happen. Uh, but I have uh, seen a little bit of bootlegs of it and I have seen it. I've read it. You know, I, I felt like I, I knew the story of this one. Unlike something like Wicked, where the music's really only maybe half the show. You miss a lot if you don't know the story. I kind of knew this one and I knew they were making a movie about it. And I said, OK, I'm, you know, pin marking that you know, save search Google and they started throwing trailers out and, you know, then of course it got delayed like every other dang thing in the world. And then all of a sudden it was going to be in theaters in September. And I was like, I'm going, I'm still running off of movie gift certificates from two Christmases ago, by the way. So, um, so I was like, I booked a ticket or whatever. And then I get a text message from you on a random Thursday. Like, I'm going tonight to see this. We should review it. And I was like, I'm in. Let's do this thing. And then I, I just have to read what you sent me afterward. I have so many words. Oh, no <laughs> words. <laughs> and so, yeah, that brings us here. So uh, glad to be back here talking this with you. Let's talk about your background with Dear Evan Hansen, though, before we get into the movie and all that stuff. So it's funny. So now I'm like scrounging to find lyrics to a song so that I can actually give you an answer to that. Um, I didn't even know anything about this musical until right before it came out and i was introduced to the urban hansen by my husband he was like oh we got to listen to this song this song is great it's you know i love the music it's it's fun to sing along with and i was like okay sure play me play me the music so we're in the car driving down the road and he he plays waving through a window and i was like god this sounds familiar mm-hmm Anybody listening to this episode needs to go out and listen to A Great Big World. Is there anybody out there? Because it is literally the same song. (laughs) (laughs) But I looked at at Jamie and I was like, bro, this is from like such and such album. This isn't from a new musical. And he's like, no, it's a new musical. I swear to God. I was like, all right, all right, all right. So we waited and we waited. And then the, the soundtrack finally came out and I fell in love with the music. Never read the plot, never read the, the script or anything, never saw a bootleg, never did anything. So going into the movie theater on Thursday night for opening night, I was like, shit, I don't know this show at all. So we walk in and and I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be packed. It's going to be packed. You know, Jay, there were five people in that <laughs> night and the kids, five. I, Thought I was going to cry. And then I ended up crying for other reasons. But yeah. at the outset, I was 
really disappointed by the showing. I thought that, you know, I was going to have a ton of people that I was going to have to fight with or somebody was going to get irritated with me singing through the entire show. They didn't. So, um, I mean, that's my background with it. My husband fell in love with it. All he can do is walk around singing songs from the show. So, I mean, at least he can sing. Uh, I mean, yes, he, yes, he can. I've heard your husband sing many times. I, again, you introduced this to me, said you need to check out this musical because as we've talked about, when I'm grinding through a project at work, like my thing to do is to put on soundtracks um, because it can kind of help my the back part of my brain, the part that goes squirrel, uh, not do that. Um, <laughs> Wait, you, know, you have so one it, of those too? <laughs> yes, it occupies that piece so I can concentrate on whatever the heck it is I'm doing. And um, so we've shared a lot of these things. The Beetlejuice uh, episode, I'll <laughs> refer people back to one of the more hilarious moments in film strip history, you and Ron and I. Um, <laughs> and folks, we cut about 40 minutes of that show out, just so you know, there's a director's cut somewhere for a Patreon that we don't have um, out there for people to hear. But <laughs> that, that musical soundtrack, Wicked, um, you know, Miss Saigon, personal reasons for that one. For me, I, I'll put on soundtracks to musicals all the time because they are a good escape. Um, and, and you had sent me this one because you know kind of like what I like musically and you also know what I like in musicals. And I was like, yes, this hits home. And I, you know, I've reviewed a movie that these, um, composers have been a part of before mike uh, from amateur Artur and i have done la la land uh, they wrote all of that yeah yeah there we go yeah that's pretty much our review of it too spoiler alert uh, but <laughs> but i i knew they had been associated with that so the fact that you're like no that's this other song i'm like no that's these dudes they take the chords you know and the melody you know and then give it a new thing can we just have can we have a bare naked ladies moment if i just sit and play the same three chords will you just smile and say Huh. Yes, it's exactly. All been done. I mean, Look, right there. There's it's it's true. Um, there's you only need about four chords to play every good rock song that's ever been made, and uh, and everyone knows those are D, A, B minor, and G. By the way, but anyway, so I I was. Into the, the I real musicians the, in the room. Yeah, anybody knows what I'm talking <laughs> about. Ja- Jamie knows what I'm talking about. Uh, but but anyway, and Brian would. Uh, but I'm I'm listen to this music you see me in the soundtrack and i'm like okay and i like i buy it on itunes because i'm listening to it on youtube because everything's on youtube but i was like no i want to hear this like in my ears mastered for it or whatever and i literally i have memories of sitting in my little desk area at my work with the door shut banging out a big presentation i've got to give this was you know three years ago um for a for a conference i was speaking at and I, this is what that that was set to and i realized like how twisted that was because i was picking up on what this story was about anyway because i had heard a little bit about it i had heard like there's this musical that's you know just tearing up broadway and it's it's kind of you know it's a dark subject matter and all this it's kind of you know touching some buttons and i thought that's interesting they like, made a musical out of something like that but i didn't really know what it was about after hearing that soundtrack over and over and over for you know a couple of days, I was like, I got to go find out what this is. So I went to where everyone goes to find out anything. I went to Wikipedia. And, <laughs> I'm going to call and, you out on it. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Um, and, and I read that and I was like, okay, that actually sounds like a show I would want to see sometimes. So I'm starting to look up tickets. I'm like, you know, Charlotte's not that far from New York. And then the pandemic happens. Yep, just and, kidding. Yeah, not so anywhere. not going going no dang where so um i did like what a lot of other people did during um those times i went to the dark side of the internet because there's always somebody with a camera phone as this movie shows us and i got to see most of the show not all of it now granted i did not see the greatest angle of it and and i'm determined to i want to see it in a theater at at some in an actual theater not a movie theater uh, at some point because i do think it'll as as things are beginning to open back up or whatever things are going to go back on tour i think this one was scheduled to and then it didn't but 
I'm sure it'll hit again, um, regardless of what happens with this movie. Yeah, um, right, right when everything shut down, they were due to be in D.C. And you know me, I'm only like yes. an hour and a half away from, from D.C. And we were really excited. And then it didn't happen. Exactly. So, so again, I say all that to tell on myself that I, I did watch it. Um, and so I felt like I knew this. And so when I found out they're doing a movie of this. I was like, I can, I can see it. I'm curious how they're going to make that work because musicals adapted into movies. It, let's be honest. It's a mixed bag. It, there was a time in Hollywood when they could do that and they're doing it again. And I'll tell about one of the trailers I saw during this in a little bit. It's but, dangerous. <laughs> right. But. I, I know this is a thing for Hollywood. Musicals are a love affair with that town. So it's not out of their wheelhouse, but it seems so different for modern audiences and particularly this one. So I was like, okay, I don't know that I would have gone with that, but I'm, I'm curious. So again, I kept up with the fact that it was, it was being produced. I knew Ben Platt was re- revising the role. He has left it since and was coming back for the movie. And I thought, that's going to be interesting. Well, I, I found out Amy was, Adams was in it. You yeah, know, I think yeah. One of their boldest moves was saying, "Oh, we've got to do this before Ben Platt ages out," because they really wanted him in this this lead role. And I want to say from the get go, because of the way he sings and his voice, he is friggin' Evan Hansen. Well, like, and I, the other people that have played it have done great, no, no doubt, and they're great performers, but you kind of feel like this is something he really built. Well, you know, when you originate a role and I've done that several times in musicals, when you originate a role, um, you, you know, you own it, you put part of yourself in it. But one of the things that really kind of sticks out um, for me with this is, you know, going into the movie, I knew how old Ben Platt was. What, he's, he's almost 30. Playing he's a, 20. He's 27. Now when they shot it, 30. I think he was 25. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, either way, he's got a, Full beard. Yes, some high schoolers have full beards. But um, it's not just in the way that he sings, but the way that he physically presents himself. His physical character development throughout this entire movie was fabulous. Mind you, he's probably had, what, 10 years to work on this part? Yeah, I mean, he knows this <laughs> he, one. Yeah. He's been living it. it it's him. So um, I think for me, that's what kind of, when I finally saw it, was what I was defining what my opinion would be about this movie on was, okay, if we immediately start and on the screen, I have a mid twenties guy singing about waving through a window, I'm going to be sad. And that's not what happened. No, it's oh, not. We've got more on that coming up. Indeed, so. More, more to come on that. I'll tell you just this on Ben Platt. I only knew him before I knew about his Broadway career and stuff. I only knew him from pitch perfect. As Benji, which is awesome. And as we've talked about before, I I was on that train long before everybody else thought it was cool. So I've been on the acapella train forever. But anyway, I knew him from that. And I thought, okay, you know, when I found out that guy had a Broadway career, I'm like, that's not a shock. And then I found out he was doing this and he won Tony's. And, you know, I got to see him perform at a Tony's. I think Anna Kendrick introduced him. And I was like, I I love this. This is so cool, you know. Yeah, and, I mean, and he's fabulous here. But he also did um, a Ryan Ryan Murphy show, The Politician. Yep, which yep. Which fantastic and complete 180 from who he plays in this movie. Oh, yeah, completely. This is almost like the darker, sadder version of Benji from Pitch Perfect in, in a sideways look. You could kind of get there. Oh, no, um, kind of. Yeah, but but that movie has a different sensibility than this. I guess we should do a plot summary. We've talked a lot around it or before we get into the thing, because I feel like I just want to jump right in and talk about a ton of this stuff. Um, but, you know, not unlike uh, yourself or anybody else, there may be people that are not entirely 
uh, up to speed on what this is about. And I'm going to tell you right now, folks, this is, I, I'm going to quote Robert England, Freddy Krueger to most of you out there. Sometimes kids, you just got to get off the effing internet. Don't believe everything you read. Go see it for yourself. All right. Amen. Uh, yeah. So I, I just want to say that there's a lot of hate about this movie on the internet right now. Whether we've become part of that or not is to be seen because I don't know what Irina's notes or thoughts are on this. I only know she has words. I think, <laughs> I think that was probably one of the best things that I did to you was like, so typically we've got to let everybody know that typically yeah. you and I will go back and forth for like two days about a movie. And by mm -hmm. the time we get here, we're expressing almost the same opinions or we've already kind of <laughs> debated everything about our opinions about a movie. But this one, I literally just said, I have words. And that yeah. was it. And that was and all we, I wanted. I said, that's we, it. Say no more. We weren't, we weren't talking about <laughs> recording an episode or anything because I haven't recorded in almost a year. Yeah, and then yeah, this yeah, one, I came out and I was like, I have words. We need to talk about this. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, so I want to say all of that is a prelude up to no one here is going in with the, the knives out. We're going to give this its due, but I do want to tell you right now, this is a spoiler hot plot summary and it's a little longer than one that I normally do because there's a lot of stuff that goes down in this one and we need to talk about all of it to be able to get through it. There's a lot uh, to unpack. And there's a lot that I'm going to leave out too, but I'm just going to, just going to get it out from here. So here's the plot summary. <laughs> Fast forward about three minutes or so if you don't want spoilers. Evan Hansen struggles with anxiety and depression. And as part of his therapy, he is to write himself daily affirmations, but it's not going so well. His mom works long hours to make ends meet. And this leaves Evan alone often. Evan's only uh, friend, quote unquote, at school is a family friend who isn't really nice to him. And his crush, classmate Zoe Murphy, He's afraid to even talk to, uh, and that's even after Zoe's brother, the dark and troubled Connor, yells at Evan in the hallway one day. Connor later strikes up a conversation with Evan in the library and signs Evan's cast for an arm he said he broke falling out of a tree in the summer. Connor sees the printout, though, of Evan's latest uh, daily affirmation, one where he mentions how miserable he is and how much he wishes no Zoe knew him. And this sets Connor off in a rage and he storms out of the library. And then he goes missing for a few days, and all Evan worries about is that his letter is going to end up on social media and cause him further and further embarrassment. <clears throat> However, Connor's parents, Cynthia and Larry, come to the school and present Evan with the folded-up letter they found in Connor's pocket after he took his own life. Seeing Connor's name on Evan's cast leads the Murphys to feel like uh, they were very close friends. He's invited over for dinner with the family, and they press him for further details, and Evan makes up a story about how Connor was the one who found him when he broke his arm and they were good friends who spent time in this orchard together. And that's a detail he picked up in the dinner conversation. And Evan grows closer and closer to the Murphys. And he's asked to speak at a memorial for Connor organized by a school overachiever, Alana. Alana reveals to Evan that she also struggles with anxiety and depression, which she hides by her over-involvement. And that's why she wants to create the Connor Project, an organization to honor his memory and to reach out to others who are struggling. And as part of that, they want to raise money to resurrect that orchard, which has kind of gone defunct. Evan fumbles through the beginning of his speech, but ultimately opens up his heart. And the video of his speech goes viral, sending the Connor Project into hyperdrive. Zoe and Evan grow closer and closer and begin a relationship, as well as Evan gets closer and closer to Mrs. Murphy. Alana begins to question Evan's commitment to the group, though, and his relationship with Connor, which leads Evan to share the note uh, that most people assume is Connor's last words with her to continue his lies. But he tells her, please don't share it. But Alana, desperate to achieve the fundraising goal, posts the note online. Uh, the money rolls in, but with it comes harsh criticism of the Murphys on social media. Evan goes to their house, and in the middle of watching Cynthia, Larry, and Zoe argue, he breaks down and confesses the truth. He didn't know Connor at all. 
He admits at first it was to help them grieve and because it felt like they needed it. But ultimately, it was because he saw in the Murphys the dream life he always wanted. So he breaks up with him. But the Murphys decide not to reveal this uh, truth because they don't want to tarnish the good that's been done in Connor's name, nor that they want Evan to hurt himself, fearing he may be struggling the way their son was. Evan comes clean to his mother, who reassures him that even though he's hurting and he's done some awful things, she will always be there for him. And in fact, always has. Evan confesses on social media that he made all of it up and that people should let the Murphys grieve in peace. And once again, a total outcast, Evan spends his time trying to get to know who Connor really was by reading a list of his favorite books and reaching out to anyone who might have known him on social media. A friend Connor met in rehab sends Evan a video of Connor playing guitar and singing a song he wrote, something he would never have shared with anyone in his life. And Evan secretly shares the song with the Murphys, Lana, and others. High school ends, and Zoe asks Evan to meet her at the Connor Memor- uh, Murphy Memorial Orchard so he could, for the first time, see the place her brother really loved. They part ways, and Evan writes himself another affirmation letter as credits roll. And that's the a long way to get through a, a big story, and I did leave out a good bit there, Irina, but I think we've got a good bit to unpack as we get into this thing. There's so much to unpack about this. You know, and uh, we we talked briefly about adapting Broadway musical for the screen. I actually felt this one could have been adapted even... Uh, easily because it is so similar to all of the um and i'm going to compare it to you know the movies that we had in the 80s <laughs> you know we had our 16 candles we had you know the breakfast club and there was a lot of depth to all of those as well um but <clears throat> i think they wanted to bring this bring this the height of this to a climax, to a higher end movie quality than um, they really needed to. So there's part of that, that when we started out with the filming um, and the cinematography, I actually felt almost claustrophobic. Um, So, but uh, I I mean, overall, the way that um, Ben Platt comes onto the screen, he, he, I don't know what they did with him, but he really looks like an 18 year old kid just lost. They did a really good job. And part of it is the way Ben Platt just can carry himself. Uh, mm-hmm. and if you see him in interviews and I saw him on like Jimmy Fallon or something singing, waiting through the window and he's got the full beard. He looks like he's a singer out of the seventies or something like that with the way he's dressed <laughs> yeah. now, but he can kind of, he, he can do this sort of hunch over thing and he can kind of draw in and he's not a big guy anyway. So, you know, he can, he can just kind of make himself look small, even though he's, he's taller than your average actor, but he, he can make himself disappear in, in the midst. And I think the thing about it is, and we, we hit on it in the opening. He knows this role <laughs> backwards and forwards. He's probably like slipping in a warm bath for him. He's like, Oh yeah, I can do that. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, his physicality is that he goes into exactly that stance that I always say to my daughter, stand up straight. <laughs> <laughs> but it is that teenager thing. Yeah. Him, yeah. But it, but it, it's, it's that, that, you know, you look at teenagers and nobody's standing up straight. Everybody's hunched over. That's, you know, that's the way it is. So he really was able to, to take that physicality and bring it to the screen. I got to tell you my biggest disappointment. In the whole thing, and I know you're right there with me, is we did not open with my favorite song. Now, there, the yeah. song Anybody Have a Map is um, the one of the opening songs to the show that is the two mothers, um, Cynthia and help I, me I don't remember Evan's mom's name. I just call her Evan's mom. I'm sure she has a, I'm sure she <laughs> I has don't a remember name. Either. But so, it, it, it's um, terrible. The, I'm sorry, Julianne Moore. I don't remember your character's <laughs> name. And no, I like we you, don't remember but... your her her name. <laughs> However, she blew that part out of the water. But well, you know, yeah. we oh, her name is Heidi, by the way. We'll, there we'll we go. Get that I'm in glad there. that yeah. you tipped up tight for that. Yeah. Um, 
but you know the, the the stage show opens with um anybody have a map and the beauty of that song that i missed having here was showing the juxtaposition of the two households and ba- how both mothers were struggling i didn't i didn't get that that cynthia was struggling until all of a sudden she popped up on the screen but she just looked like you know a happy little housewife and everything was perfect and I felt like I lost this huge amount of character development, not just for uh, Cynthia and Heidi, but for the father, for um, Connor. We missed Connor moments. We literally had our introduction to Connor stolen from us. Yeah, I want to. I want to say that anytime you're adapting things, obviously you, they're going to take some license to make it your own. And, and Stephen Shabotsky's done a lot of really interesting movies, not the least of which is The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And the thing he's great at is centering the audience's point of view around a one person in an ensemble uh, cast. And for better or worse, he and Stephen Levinson, who adapted his own work for this, decided. Our entry character, our point of view character, our everything character is going to be Evan. There's very, there may be two scenes he's not in, and we're going to let everything go through his lens versus on the stage. You're right. The way it opens the, the show is these two moms trying to get their kids up and out of the door for the day. And Heidi, Evan's mom, is doing the whole, you know, do your daily affirmations. You're going to be okay. Get somebody to sign your cast. And we get that scene, but it kind of blows by with Julianne Moore. And on the other hand, Cynthia is trying to keep up the happy, well-to-do household, and Connor's not going to go to school because he's high, and his dad's arguing with him, and he has an argument with Zoe, and we see a lot of things going on, and the, the whole purpose of that song, for those that don't know it, and I do recommend you go look it up, it's got to be like the the anthem song of every mother raising teenagers. I'm looking at one right now who's <laughs> doing it. It's like, does anybody know how to do this? That's the hook of the song, and I was like, yeah. I, I get it. I, I appreciated the the drama that was, there was humor in it, but there's also like a real sadness to it that is just life. It's you don't know what you're doing. You're making it up as you go. Well, I think one of the things we miss by having that song removed is we miss the single mom struggling to help her son with his affirmations and invest in him. And then we also miss how detached the Murphys are from their son. Um, And those precedents need to be set early in the story so that it can be seen because otherwise Heidi, if I, you know, if I didn't know that song existed and I just went in to watch this movie and I think this is why we we got some people who are really disappointed, you know, I, I would think Heidi was like a deadbeat absent mom, you know, completely uninvolved in her teen's life. And she's the exact opposite she is at him every day getting him to his therapist making sure he's taking his medications talking about affirmations about how things can be positive and then in that song it's connor you're not going to school hi okay then mom i won't go at all and you you we really it's it's a it's a little kernel that i want back (laughs) I, i think what they did with it instead is later on down the line we get all of that disconnection of the Murphys and, and they really build it into the, the Requiem song, uh, which it, that's part of that too. But we get a sense of who their lives are. And I didn't pick up on this in anything I've ever read about the show. Maybe it's part of it or not, but we find that Larry is not 
the biological father of Connor and Zoe, their, their father passed away when she was one. He, Connor was three, but Larry came into Cynthia's life not long after and has been their dad. I mean, he, he is as much their dad as anyone else. And he is in this movie portrayed as much more of a sympathetic character in the show. He's, he's very much like detached dad. And I, I don't know. It's, it's different. Like I, when you read him in the show, I, you, you feel for him because of what he's gone through, but not because of anything the the person is. Danny Pino, who I have loved for years on on Law and Order SVU, um, is great in this, uh, and is, is you know himself is a, a good New York theater actor. He knows how to emote, do all the, the things. But I would have thought you stick a guy like that next to Amy Adams, and he's going to get his lunch eaten. And no, like he he is very much the confident successful guy he is but he's also someone who has invested everything in those kids and whether they realize it or not you know it, it it's it's breaking him up and i i don't know i i get what you're saying though because the the framing part of the show is that here are two mothers with sons that they are losing and one will lose one completely and the other one is going to lose her son too, because Heidi loses Evan to Cynthia at some point. They do that through this movie. And I think again, because the framing device to Steven Jabotsky and everybody else is this is about Evan. And we're going to ask people to feel bad for this kid, to watch him do something absolutely horrible, to go with it for two hours and then somehow forgiving for it at the end because that's what the stage show does and that's a hell of a thing to try to do in a movie where the central character is a monster and that is really hard to do and you know it's so hard to to you know going into it not having seen it and then realizing what the real story was i was shaking in my boots and you know it brought me back again to what the one thing that really frustrated me is while Evan grew this relationship with the Murphys there was something lacking and the things that were lacking were the songs that they took out anybody have a map to show us the juxtaposition between the two family the two families and then break in a glove um yeah. you know he bonds he bonds with Connor's dad stepdad um over this baseball glove and in the stage production you know there's an entire song breaking a glove you know talking about the best way to break in a glove but it's more than that it, you know yeah. he gives him advice on you know shaving and talking about the hard things in life and doing the right thing and the long climb even though you know it's hard knowing that you're going to get a good end result um which kind of reflects back on evan thinking okay i'm going to do this one thing and just go along with the 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 lie instead of tell the truth because it's easier so you know we have these little tidbits and if they had been there we would have gotten even more now i'll say the thing that they they successfully do here that uh, they do in the show as well it works out a little differently in the show but i appreciated seeing how evan gets caught in the web early on okay he says the truth the second Cynthia and Larry hand him that note. And, and he's like that. He write that. And they take that as deflection. And then seeing, you know, the cast and the whole arm and all that bit, he sees in them, like they need me to say that he's okay. And he even says that to his friend afterward is that, yeah, you know, they, they didn't want me to stop. They didn't want me to stop. And 
when you see the dinner scene that goes on and on and he tells the, you know, the for forever song, which is a great song, by the way. Mm, it, um, it's hard not to tear up in that really is. But, but you, you watch this and uh, you talked about, you saw it in a nearly private screening. So did I, but I do think the teenage girl sitting about six rows behind me because I cued off of their emotions. Uh, cause when they sniffled, I, I, little tear right there every time they sniffled. Cause I was like, well, that, but it's for them. I'm 45. Nobody cares what I think. Well, but, you know what? You know, no, what? Yeah. no, 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 no. They do because there are parents in this. And while you may not True. be a parent, you can appreciate as I, somebody who is a mentor to kids this age. I'll, I'll, I'll take older. a sidebar to the mom, their mom, who I assume was their mom that was taking them to this movie. The t- I assume these two were sisters. They acted like they were. They certainly looked alike. Mom was going to see some Marvel flick, and the kids were going to see this. And I thought, what world did I wake up in? But okay, right. you know. Yeah. and it was it was interesting for me too. Um, just kind of leading up to this movie, my daughter was getting really excited. So my daughter's thirteen, and um, the coolest thing that happened for me going to see this was my son wanted to sit with daddy, and my daughter wanted to sit in a different place with me. Oh, so that's cool. Though. It was that like. It, it was a couple days before Mother Daughter Day, and here I was able to sit with my daughter, who just kept saying, Mom, don't cry. Don't cry yet. And then I turned around, and this poor girl is, like, sobbing. Because ultimately, thinking about what goes on in this movie, this is happening now. Yes. I, I've gotten bullied online, you know. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean. For everything, you know. I'm mm-hmm. Sorry that my nose looks that way. I I can't fix it. But, um, you know, this is something that kids are really dealing with now. It's, and, um, you know, it, maybe it, it brings things to light in a way that's, um, easier to digest, um, especially for society now. And I think that's why kids really associate with it. Oh, I think, I think there's lots of reasons people have, have attached to this thing. And, and I, I want to save those until the end for me, but I agree with everything you're saying and, and enjoyed. That experience, though, I did feel like I was in a private screening. Now, when I turned around at the end, I realized there were people up at the top, too. But I was so far. I've I've gotten into a new habit. When I go to a movie, I go to a matinee. I always do now because it's just a good time to if I'm going to especially if I'm going to pay attention to it, talk about it on this show um, <clears throat> because I'm going to sit and absorb it that way. And I always go down front now. Because nobody picks those seats at matinees. They always pick the, the bigger seats. And I, now with reclining seats, I have no problem leaning back and just watching this thing. So, um, and the way it was done. So, anyway, s- sidebar there, um, for, for all the Dana Buckler fans that are you know, <laughs> curious about my theater experience. But I, I'm, I'm watching the way that they're unfolding all of this though. And I gotta say though, and you're right, the second Ben Platt jumps on the screen. And while I miss, has anybody got a map? Opening up with waving through a window is an awesome tune. And I had that spoiled for me because they, they put that out. They put out was essentially the music video of it mm-hmm. a couple days before this was released. And there was some footnote in the video I watched that said, this is the opening three minutes of the movie. And I was like, oh, I wish I had known that, but <laughs> I, I wouldn't have I, watched I, it. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, but you know what? I kind of, I kind of, I get it. I get what they're trying to do. And I thought it, it was great because you have this guy belting out the top of his lungs. Is anybody watching? Is anybody going to notice? And then he ends on this big note and then the bell rings and there's all this noise around him. And no, nobody notices him. You know what, though? They had to open with Ben Platt. Ben Platt, like, I 
I love Amy Adams. She was fabulous and enchanted. We know she can sing. I did not know Julianne Moore could sing. Neither did I. Crap. I was shocked. And I didn't know Danny Pino could sing. (laughs) Well, you know, and I kept thinking through the entire thing, okay, Amy Adams can sing. Maybe Julianne Moore can't. And that's why they didn't do anybody has um, anybody have a map. Maybe that's why they cut that song. But then we get to the end and she has a whole solo song. And I was like, shit, the bitch can sing. Pardon me. That's how shocked I was. But, um, you know, the, for, they had to open with Ben Platt. They had to open with a hook. Um, could they have gone back and tried to revamp the story to put in anybody as a map? Probably. But um, opening with Ben Platt is just brilliant well, because he is brilliant in everything that he does. Yeah. Well, you said the word hook. Waving through a window is a catchy, catchy tune. It sounds amazing. Well, again, it's, it's, it's a rock song. song you've heard. You know, so you know it. <laughs> yeah. So again, Benji Pacek and, and Justin Paul are not trying to reinvent the wheel musically here. They're going to hit you with stuff that you know, that you feel like you've, you've heard from somewhere, but they always find subtle ways to make it a little differently. You know, like the one thing I liked about. La La Land was the City of Stars song. I thought that was a great song to anchor that movie around because it's such a freaking dark, sad song. I hate that song. I, hate <laughs> I love that song. That we'll song. argue about that some other day, but I love that song. I don't like that movie, but I like that song as the anchoring point for that story. And honestly, Waving Through a Window is the beginning point for Evan. That's it's who he anthem. is. It's yes, it anthem. is. It is his anthem, and it's one he is singing to himself. And that's what you realize is that, and I've got to say, like, you know, again, when, when you adapt musicals to movies and TV, sometimes that works and does it doesn't. It's always like that, that mix of like, am I going to be feel pulled out of it because they just, everybody breaks into a song and dance kind of randomly? Or am I just going to be immersed in it like I am with something like Grease, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever, where it just feels like it's part of it? Or even High School Musical, the first one is just, it just happens. I never got taken out of the fact that like these people just burst into song. It's just, that's just what it is. You know, like that never bothered me. And I like no, the fact had, that this anthem song is this one guy screaming and nobody's paying attention. It, it, the, the flow was really good. The transition from um, dialogue to song was great. Even right into for forever. When we see flashbacks in the orchard um, where we think that Connor has been with him. But, you know, we know that really Evan went to kill himself at his job. He climbed a tree 30 feet and jumped. Well, that's the thing is they don't reveal that bit until the end of the way they do it. It was such a great cinematography pick. Every time Evan's climbing that tree, there's a branch that breaks. Because every time he tells that story, he talks about there's a branch that breaks. There's a branch Mm -hmm. that breaks. And when it finally reveals to what really happened, you see that that branch held true. He got up there and he jumped. Or he let go, as he says. And it's like, that is... That kind of subtlety does not exist in a bad movie that people are trying to lay this out as. I'm like, no, that's a director that knows what he's doing and a cinematographer that knows what he's doing. Brandon Trout has, has been around a while. He knows what he's doing. That was nice. I like, and again, as somebody who knew what the story was, and, and you know, he's lying, you know, he's lying at the table. Like you realize it, but like, right, you know, right. he's already confessed to that to his friend, but you see why he gets caught up in it because. It's it's the same way that like that John Edwards cold read guy works. He just gets you to say something, and then he and then he starts working with it. Like he he heard the bit about the orchard, and he heard the Alamo ice cream, and he just started putting it together. And these people, by the way, we should mention, they are grieving. And and I've heard I've I've read a little bit of criticisms like I've never seen people grieve like this. I'm like, people grieve in different ways, Miss McDear. Like 
I've seen families that this is how they, they try to put on the facade. They try to be all of this. And there's, there's usually the one kid who's like, no, I'm going to tell it like it is. There's the dad trying to tell everybody to just eat. And the mom just trying to, everything's wonderful. Everything's beautiful. I love the interaction of Caitlin Deaver, Danny Pino and Amy Adams in this scene before Evan got there. I really did. Oh yeah. The the three uh, fam, the three Murphys uh, were extremely well cast. I do have to go back to something you just said about reading people and reading the room. So are you saying that Evan Hansen is the Kaiser Soze of musical theater. Uh, you know, I never thought of it like I'm that. Just, That's I'm an interesting just, way of looking at it. I, I, I will say, I will say the one thing that Evan possesses, and I think any uh, person who stands in the backgrounds, fellow introverts unite for a minute behind me on this one. If you are a professional people watcher, the way we kind of all naturally are inclined to be, um, you pick up on things. And if you want to enter in a conversation, you you use clues uh, and it's not for any nefarious reasons like Kaiser Soze necessarily or John Edwards for that matter. I don't know which one's more evil, by the way, Kaiser Soze or John Edwards. I just want um, you to know we compared him to being the villain, Evan Hansen, to being the villain. We, we did. Because, well, that's the thing, though. He is the villain in he this really story. Is. He, he is. And, but he's also the protagonist. It's what makes the story interesting. Uh, and, and, and I'll get more to that in a, as we go through it. But the way it comes off in the musical, at least on the songs, is Evan starts spinning this tail and you kind of wonder like, oh, did he just do this? Because it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger for him. In the movie, the way it plays out around that table is, uh, OK, I'm, I'm just going to give you what you want to hear right now. Uh, oh, oh, you're responding well to that. Well, I, I'm not used to positive affirmation when I talk. So let me just keep going. And it's. It's a drug. It, it feeds yeah, and, and it, right and you there. go. And it is sweet too. That's the other thing is the four forever song is such a sweet song anyway. And he sings the hell out of it. And you, you just, you just feel for these people in that moment. And it, it's in Amy Adams too. It's in her face, Irina. Oh, just, she, and I, I, I don't know how this is. is your mom. Tell me she is just like, I mean, she is holding back, you know, oceans of tears this entire movie. And you feel every, every hug, every bit of it. It's so real. Yeah, it, it is. And now I'm, I am in no way a mom like Amy Adams character in this movie. So we can't even, you know, compare parenting, but, um, it, you know, it, it, everything is written all over her face. And I'm going to, I'm going to touch on Amy Adams here for a second. Uh, you know, she had a baby, what, a decade ago and, uh, she's been in Superman and all this other kind of stuff. And she's kind of had the, the, seesaw of her weight and i appreciated 100 in this that she was not skinny little mini that she was a real woman in her I, in her body and i, it, I and appreciated I, that and the fact that julianne moore barely wears any makeup she looks like somebody who works 14 hour runs as a nurse you know they did I, such yeah. a good job casting these characters that i mean i think that's what i appreciated the the most as I sat there and every once in a while there was a surprise like all of a sudden and we're, I, you know I'm looking at the, the song list here sincerely me we get Connor popping in and oh yeah. can we talk about Colton Ryan for a minute oh my I, god I love this kid so wonderful. I love this kid now I know he was he was in part of the stage production he's been in shows I've seen and stuff like that too I thought he had and people, people get real weird about the Sincerely Me song because w- we should tell everybody what that is. After the dinner thing, Evan now feels like he's got to invent this whole backstory relationship with Connor where they emailed each other from secret email accounts. So he enlists his buddy to, you know, help him do this. And this song is a riff on 
the absurdity of that while he and Jared are writing these fake emails. And it is a comic relief. And I, I've seen people go like, I can't believe they're, you know, poking fun after this kid has, you know, killed himself. And I'm like, in every drama, you got to have a lift, people. You like, do. You, and Nick Madani yeah. does a fabulous job giving us not only yes. that lift with the humor, but he he's Jiminy Cricket. Yes, he is. He is he's the, the sardonic wit. <laughs> it's, and, and he's fabulous and he's lovable. And even though he always says um, that he's his best family friend and not not uh, Evan's uh, best friend, which at the same time gives us kind of this, you know, a new view of everything that, that Evan's gone through because even his best friend won't count him as his best friend. Right, right. He's, he's totally alone. He really is. But that song, I love that because it, and I think it's accent, accentuated by the dance number that they pull off. They oh, well, do this so vaudeville cute. Michigan J frog thing in the middle of it. And it is hilarious. I, it I got a kick out of that. And I, as I understand it, and again, from the bootleg I saw, that's kind of what's going on on the stage, but it wasn't a great angle. So I can't really tell you. Um, <laughs> so someday I will know, but I can only assume. They had two guys that had played uh, uh, Evan on on the screen together at the same time. It's it's like having two Kirks. You know, you, you get Shatner and Pine together, you make them do that. You know, you mm-hmm. make them do a thing together. I, I liked it. I thought it was funny the way that they, they did the little song and dance. And it went from different scene to scene. And what you see, though, in that, and, and this, the dramatic part of it, though, is interesting, is as Evan is building these lies, for, and he's doing it for the, quote, right reasons, we think. There's a little bit of that like Walter White Breaking Bad thing going on there too, where he's ultimately going to have to admit what Walter does. Spoiler alert for a show that's been off the air for several years now. But Walter admits that he he didn't do any of that to save his family from financial ruin after he died. He did it because he was smart enough to do it because he could get away with it. This was yeah. 100% selfish on Evan's part. Exactly. Yeah. He, uh, Walter is Kaiser Soza. Um, everybody's Kaiser Soza. <laughs> so I think that may be the tagline of the show now. Everyone's Kaiser Soza. Um, but, but I mean, really like that's, um, that, that's what you're seeing is, is as these lies build, but you see what it does for the family. That's when we really get the Murphys. And, and I thought that was a great way to weave that in. Um, because mom has printed out all the emails. And so dad's got a stack that he's not looking at in front of her because he can't do that right then. He's got to just watch the game, unwind from the work day. He's got to be mom- the strong one because nobody yeah, else is. Exactly. And mom, and, and we've, we'll learn this a little bit later that because mom is a rich housewife who's got basically grown kids at this point, and she's bored. She jumps from thing to thing, fad to fad. So when she gets into a thing, she just gets, you know, wild about it. We all know people like that. You know, and we've all seen it um, and things like that. But the way that they all react to it, she's absorbed in these things. She can't get Zoe to look at. She can't get Larry to look at him or whatever. She tries to talk to Zoe about it. And Zoe is the one that she's been laying out the harsh truths of her brother. Yes. She and, and, and this is part of grief for everyone. When someone dies, we have this tendency um, particularly I think just humanity to, we would just want to remember the absolute best about everything. But you know, some, some folks weren't, weren't great. And some folks had a lot of stuff going on. And Connor clearly was a guy that he had a lot of addiction problems. He had a lot of violence tendencies. She says, Hey, you know, in one of those emails is about the time he tried to come in the room and kill me, you know, or he beat the door down or, you know, and she is hung up on the fact of the monster her brother became because he gave into his addictions and his demons. 
Let's just you know, put it yeah, out that it, way. And the, the best part, the, the, the way, the best way that all of this is brought together is in the Requiem song. You mentioned it earlier. And yeah, they'd lead right into it with that. Yeah. This song is one that I will sit around and sing all day and cry through the entire thing because the story being told in it is beautiful. The lyrics give you that much more information that you need to be able to understand the story. And yet then you get, get all three sides of the family story and it helps you build the image of Connor in your mind. But later down the road, we really are opened up to what Connor was because Evan is brought into Connor's room and we see these holes that Connor's punched in the yes. wall. And then you know that, Evan's lucky he didn't get his face smashed in in the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, this is what you realize is that and when he looks at it and the look on Platt's face, again, this is acting oh, stuff. God, he's so he's like, I, I don't, like, he looks surprised by everything in the room. And, and the, the music thing, the fact that, you know, mom says, oh, you know, he played, but he never played for us or whatever. Um, Evan says, no, I, I, I didn't know that, you know, and that's a genuine moment. And he realizes that, like, I really don't, I, what am I doing to these people? I don't know mm -hmm. this guy. I want to go back to Requiem though, because you're, you're so dead on Irina with how that tells the story. The, the hook line of that is that I, I'm not going to sing a Requiem for you. And everybody's saying that the Murphy's for a different reason. Yep. Zoe can't say it because everybody wants to gloss over, you know, you now because you're dead, they're doing that thing, but they didn't realize you, yeah, what you had become and, and that I had lost you. We had, yeah. we were close and then you were, you were my big brother and then you were just gone. And, and dad is singing that, um, because I gave you everything. I did everything I could for you. And we realized too, and I think in the movie dad, more so than maybe the, the stage dad, he's very much there for Connor. He tries to mm -hmm. really be there for him and, and cutting out that glove song is, is one of the things that hurts that. I agree. But you see that Larry's singing that because it's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sing a requiem for you because I don't know how to deal with the fact that you just, threw it all away and mom is singing it because you're still alive and all of these memories well, and, and all this stuff and you're like oh she's she's buying the lie it's so sad and you know the, the the lyrics we get out of that just to kind of put it in perspective i will be the person to absolutely ruin it for everybody here um we oh they open the song with mom singing why should i play this game of pretend and then she says such a great son and wonderful friend but don't the tears just pour. So we get that from mom. And then, you know, the, all three of them, why should I say I'll keep you with me? You know, why, sh why should I fall apart? And then the big take home at the end, and I am looking at the lyrics trying to piece where Larry comes in and I'm not, but the big finale of this song is after all you put me through, don't say it wasn't true. That you were not the monster that I knew. And that Zoe saying, you know, mom's saying you're wonderful. Dad doesn't know what to do. And you were awful to me. I mean, siblings are, are tight. You know, that, that's a bond that nobody can take away. And to, to have her in that moment say, you took this away from me. You took my friend away. As you said before, you know, she's lost him and she's not going to, she's not going to make up some story about how wonderful he was when he was awful to her. Well, yeah, um, that's, that's the thing you realize is that Zoe lost him years before he died. You know, she tells that story to her mother that 
you know, he called me when he, you know, run away one time and he, he just needed somebody to talk to. And so I rode a bus downtown to go get him and all he wanted was money. So he could score again, you know, and it's, you just break with her right there. And K- Caitlin Deaver, come out a really cool young actress in Hollywood who's getting her due. And I've seen her in so much cool stuff. She was in, she was in a, a kind of a twist on Super Bad, um, with, uh, uh, um, oh, what's her name? Hold on. This is driving me nuts now. Hold on. I got to find this because it's going to kill me. This is that female uh, superhero movie, right? No, 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 no. This is the, okay. She was in a, a, she was in a movie called Book Smart. Um, there's kind of a twist on super bad, but it's more of the teenage girl version. It was directed by Olivia Wilde and it's got her and Beanie Feldstein in it. And they are hilarious. She's hilarious in it. That's the first time I saw her and knew her as anything. I know she's been in a lot of stuff before then. Um, but I thought, I mean, she's, she's funny. She's got some good comic timing. And then I saw her on this mini series they did called Unbelievable where she played like a main role and she was so good in that. And that's a very hard to watch thing. But it, if you're one of those true crime people or whatever, you, you'll dig the story and the way she un- weaves through it. Um, she's such a, a neat actress. And so when they finally they cast her in this, I thought, okay, well, I didn't know she could sing. Apparently she sings, plays guitar, does all that stuff. That was her. So I was like, that was kind of cute. And I, I thought she perfectly encapsulated what that character is going through is everybody feels sorry for me, but, but they don't know who he was. And yes, he was awful, but I still love him because he's my brother. And she's dealing with that grief in a different way than dad and his mom. And that's what makes that song so poignant. And it also makes you realize how, how much they need this lie that Evan has given him. Now that doesn't excuse him doing it. I'm going to be on the record and say that was wrong, but you get when he says that they needed it, it he's not lying. Like th- that's true. And he just falls into it. And he's the kind of kid that he's never had that, that he's never seen the reaffirmation on the other side. He can't see because you can never see what your parents do for you when you're a kid. You just can't. And, and he, he knows his mom is working hard and sacrificing for them, but he doesn't appreciate it because he can't. He's, you're there every day. When you're there every day with somebody, you just don't appreciate what's in front of you. And, well, yeah, and, and we, that's a real reality, you know? Yeah. And we have to touch on the fact that one of the, the perks for Evan with being closer to the family is that he's had, he's been in love with Zoe for years. I mean, right. that's, the, that's what put Connor in a tear the first time um, with finding uh, Evan's letter on the printer is, you know, talking about my sister. What are you talking about my sister for? Why is my sister mentioned in this? And, you know, he wants to be seen by her. He wants to be seen by everybody, but being seen by her is like going through the cherry and the whipped cream straight to the ice cream that you want or the sprinkles at the bottom of the cone that they always put in there. Right. Um, right. He, he, he gets that gold medal without even trying. Yeah. That's the thing is, and, and that's in a great song too, because she invites him over. Um, mom has made, you know, some kind of pie and wants them to come over and the parents have gone to get ice cream and they're just chatting it up. And she, she says, you know, Con- Connor never even talked to me anymore. We didn't talk at all. I wish he would have talked to me, yada, yada. And Evan feeds into that. And basically he confesses his infatuation with her through the guise of, well, this is what Connor said about you. And if only, you know, she could see how special she is and her smile and all these, these sweet things. And you can tell like it, it, 
it's not that's not necessarily when it romantically clicks for her, but you can tell it's starting to lower her guard and let her feel that and sort of deal with that. And on one hand, you're like, oh, that's good and that's cathartic for her. But then on the other hand, reality snaps in and you go like, that's really creepy. And you're lying to this poor girl. And oh, my gosh, what kind of damage are you doing to her? And and I love the fact that he doesn't get away with it. <laughs> in the movie they do they do hold him to that but it's it's a it's a turning point there because when you what you start to see after that is that evan becomes part of their family again mm-hmm. he he gets he gets replaced he's replacing connor in cynthia and larry's lives at the expense of his mom who was already busy enough anyway but now she really doesn't know what he's doing she has no idea what's going on she asks him about who's connor I didn't know him. Why is his name on your cast? Oh, it's like a tribute thing. Or whatever. And like she and doesn't she, know until she gets invited over to dinner. At the oh yeah. Well, when that happens, holy cow! Talking about the everything's starting to unravel. Cow, but let's say yeah. holy shit, shenanigans! It, you don't even, you, it gets serious I, at that moment. I was we, blindsided by that moment, and I sat there going, "Oh my god!" Yeah. And that's straight out of the the stage thing too. They they drop that in there, and it's at a perfect time too for the. For Heidi to do that, and her and Cynthia have a little bit more back and forth in it than they do in the movie. We got to talk about Alana, the the Alana character here, who gets uh, a lot yes. more in this movie because this is when she really enters in. We've met her at this point, but she is the overachiever classmate. She's the president of everything. She does everything. She's super involved, and they've changed something from the stage to here for her. And it's one of the songs that they've they've introduced. It's new. The anonymous ones is the one that she gets to sing, and they let her reveal to um Evan that I struggle with depression and anxiety too. And she does it in the, she said, I need to talk to you. She texts him and he's like, uh Oh, somebody's found out. And what she says is I need to know what you're on. Cause I'm on these drugs. What do you take? And that's how they relate. And I thought, but there's like a sadness in that, but there's also like a, so 21st century, what it's like to be a oh, teenager God, in that. Right. You know what? And, and and I'm sitting here texting my daughter saying, hey, come up here. We're talking about Dear Evan Hansen. Um, because you know, I think for us being in our in our mature age. Um, <laughs> I'm a lot older than Irene, if everybody's listening, but go ahead. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you're not that much older than me. But, um, you know, so it's interesting how kids nowadays, they're kind of relating to one another through their anxieties and, you know, their feelings. They're all up in their feels now. But when you and I were kids or, you know, teenagers in high school, it was like, hey, are you going to the football game? Hey, what movie are you going to see this weekend? What TV show are you watching? Oh, are you going to go hang out at the mall? You're going to go shopping, that kind of stuff. But um, yeah. I mean, there was no mall where I grew up. But um, <laughs> I, I was I was basically having uh, unedited versions of film strip in the hallway with my friends that's what we were doing <laughs> you know what me i would sit down in my parents living room on the weekend my friend zach and i and i've talked about him before we binge watch texas chainsaw massacre series like the whole See? thing in one day yeah there you go so i mean yeah we were talking about which you know person in the real world you wanted to hit or date you know i mean that's that's what we, right? but you, you said something in there and i thought that's sweet and sad at the same time kind of like most of this music is that kids related to each other based on what medication they're on today and i'm like holy cow that is like well, the, and whether there are feeling, statements in that that I'm I'm afraid of. Wow. Well, and whether they're feeling anxious or depressed or you know yeah. really I, at an emotional level, but not mm-hmm. an emotional like any depth to it. I, I want to say, yeah, I think today's teenagers, and this is me being a hello fellow kids for a minute uh, here. Today's teenagers 
speak the language of emotions much more intelligently than we did because they're taught it earlier, but I don't think they understand it any more than we did at the time. Thank you so for th- tagging on with that. Th- there's words there now, but there's no depth as you, as you were saying. So, and that's, what's neat about this too. And I think that's what the cool thing about Requiem is. It's also the cool thing about the, if I could tell her song is it's Evan telling, I wish I could tell you how special I think you are, but I'm going to tell it to you in the form that you need to hear that you thought your brother thought you were special too. Maybe Connor thought that maybe he didn't. We'll never know, but it works for her at that moment because that's when the ice starts to come off her. And that's one thing Caitlin Deaver can do is play icy and then she can play very warm. Yeah, no, she, and she moves through those emotions very skillfully. Um, but until I saw this, this movie, I thought, if I could tell her it was just a sweet song, but there was something so creepy about the way it was filmed. And I was like, it is a that's like when I was 13 and that guy down the street told everybody at school that I took my clothes okay. off for him. Part, part of that is the way Caitlin Deaver looks. It, it should be noted. She's only three years younger than Ben Platt. She's 24. Like when she's 21 doing this, it's not, that's not creepy when a 25 her, year old dude says it to you, but her BRF anyway. was on point for that scene. <laughs> I think that's kind of her acting secret. Um <laughs> it was it was on point. There's she no does that every that away. Yeah, but but it it is a, a turning point and that leads us to Alana and like I said, the anonymous ones is something written by the the, the creators for the movie. And I gotta say I I like that song. I, I I hate that we had to replace a good song with it, but I like that song and I like what it's trying to say is that just because I do all this stuff and I'm high functioning doesn't mean I don't have the same crippling, you know, mental issues that every, you know, other people do and things like that. I, I appreciated the sentiment of that song and I thought it gave a voice to folks that don't necessarily have one or don't know how to have one sometimes. I, I appreciated what they were going for with that one. And I kind of wonder now if going forward in stage productions, they won't work it back in there, you know? Well, you know, here's here's the thing, though. If you go back and look at the lyrics to Disappear that they cut out, the big difference is, is that we have Alana communicating this, even though the movie is focused around Evan. So mm-hmm. the spotlight is moved. And I don't know whether that was because of cinematically wanting to balance out genders and i'm gonna question that because i I think you're onto something i I think that that was a choice this is a very male focused show which there is nothing wrong with it's actually beautiful um and i think that they they, maybe they felt okay well we got to give another girl a song well you don't need to give a girl a song keep in anybody have a map I, th- I think the the thing they wanted to do was they wanted another teenager character to have a moment like that because it does make a little like in the play it Alana just seems to jump on because she is project girl and you know this is her and that it, I, I I'm not trying to talk about motivations here we're talking about a fictional character so everybody get get your hands off the Twitter uh, for a minute and <laughs> destroying me here but don't tweet. In, don't, in, the, don't tweet. <laughs> in the show, she comes off as the it's just the cause of the moment. What this gives is a much more of a motivation to it that makes sense. And I, I actually like it thematically. You're probably onto something that, yeah, we need to balance this out a little bit more. And, and 
eh, whatever, you know, that's a, that's a choice to make, you know, dramatically. But I, I'm saying it works as a storytelling device because it lets Evan know you think you're waving through the window. Well, us on the other side of the window sometimes wish we could wave back, but we don't know how to either. Well, yeah, I, I, we, we know me. I'm a purist. I wanted to say the way that the sage did it. Ah, I didn't like it. I felt, yeah. I felt that took something away because disappear really the original song instead of anonymous ones. Uh, the, well, hold on. Let, let me backtrack. What we have happened here is a sudden change of focus, which doesn't, isn't cohesive with the story. It is a, it comes off uneven when they stop singing. I agree with you there because then all of a sudden, why, why is she so important all of a sudden? Because her and I still don't Jared, understand why she was so important. Her and Jared are, are peripheral. Well, it, the reason she's so important is because she can't let anything she's involved with cause like completely die or go away. Like she won't let it fail. You know, she's one of those people that just will do all the group project for them just to get it done, mm-hmm. you know? And because the overachieving is the mask she uses to mask her depression, anxiety. And um, a good therapist would also say it's the outworkings of her anxiety. But let me put aside that for just a sec. Um, Stop being smart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. But anyway, um, but th- that's what they're they're doing with her. The problem is, is that what I didn't get, and I have to help the movie, and I'm helping it because I know the story here, is that what you're supposed to realize is that Evan is as much a part of the Connor project after he does the video and we got to back up and talk about the memorial service in a minute. He's as much a part of that as um, she is um, too, but he drops away because he has this new life. He has this new family. He has the new girlfriend and he's popular and all these kind of things. And she's left kind of holding the bag. And then, you know, she, she gets, she calls him on it in the play. Like she, and she does the same kind of call out here. Like, did you even know this guy? Here it rings a little differently because she's connected to him on a personal level because they share this this thing together. They share this mental illness together, right? And I part of me is like, I, I like that as a change. And on the other hand, I'm with you. I'm like, but then now she's this thing and it doesn't really make sense as to why he's hanging out with her. She's literally just sitting there on a cloud hovering like some glossed out character. And, you know, with the original song, we had a buildup. There was a climax. There was a story being told instead of just a direct focus on me, me, me. And I feel anonymous type thing, which is what, what I felt came from this song rather than using disappear, which started as Connor and Evan and then progresses to Jared, Alana, Connor and Cynthia and Evan into, you know, a group feeling and, almost uniting these people through, uh, you know, this through Connor versus somebody feeling like she needs to have a cause. Yeah. And, and we should say the thing about the, the way the show goes and the movie does this too. the middle break of it is the speaking at the assembly. All right. So, so they're going to have an assembly for the Connor project. Uh, Alana has talked Evan and you know, you should be a part of this. I don't want to be a part of this. Cynthia gives Evan this necktie. She, she gave to Connor that he never wore. And you find out why he never wore it. And it's such a sad little story is I bought him this because it was bar mitzvah season and he didn't get invited to a single one, but he put it on every day and he was, you know, he was waiting and he never got invited. And I think it would be great if you wore it at the assembly and Evan gets up and 
as he's trying to give his speech, I mean, he's just fumbling all over it. He literally kicks the microphone stand over and then he, he just breaks into the crescendo song that is the end of act one is you will be found, which is the, I think oh, probably God. from waiting you know, through the window, you will be found as the song people know from this show. And I mean, it's, it's a voice to dealing with depression and mental illness and, you know, you're not alone and all of that stuff. And it, I mean, it comes off in the movie the same way it does in the show. And in the same way it does in the soundtrack too, is it's this big hopeful anthem ringing out from like this pathetic person who is so broken himself, but it, every kid in the audience does what 21st century kids do. They break their freaking cell phone out and they shoot it. And at first it's because watch this guy completely embarrass himself. And then he says this you know, prophetic stuff. And it's what's neat about that moment. And this thing is that while he's in the middle of telling a lie about the orchard thing again with, with Connor, he says the truest thing he says the entire show is that if you feel like you're alone, you're actually not. And, and, People that are hearing this need to be the people that go, you're not alone. And we say, say that to each other a little bit more. Maybe we won't be alone, you know, and th- I, I don't know. I love the emotional weight of that. It, Jerry gets a great joke in it because Kevin goes into this bit and he's like, holy shit, I can't believe he's going to tell this story. And then that song comes on and that's, that's just a killer song. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm telling you, me and the five other people in my theater, everybody was sniffling at the end of that. Everybody like you can't not because it's so emotive. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, that song is another one that I sit around and sing, and sing to myself because that's my game. Um, it, it there's something special about it, and um, I, my husband and I, our family lost somebody uh, a year or so ago. Um, pardon me, two years ago to, to suicide, and you know, similar situation to Connor. And you know, that song was one of those things that our entire family listened to. Um, to kind of give us comfort, uh, yeah. and and it you know it, it hits it hits every emotion. Oh, it really does, and it also though is a turning point in the soundtrack, in the show, and in this movie because you've hit on it. After that, we lose focus for a little bit, and the one thing I will say about this movie is it's over two hours long, and if you went and saw it the way I did, you got about thirty minutes of trailers before it too. It's a long deal. Now, if you go to see a, a show in a theater, a play or a musical, you know you're there for a good three hours for the most part. And you kind of want to be because it's part of the experience, right? Because there's an intermission, there's a break, there's all that kind of – well, you don't get that in a movie. And when you're asking a movie audience to hang with you through a lot of raw emotions and a lot of raw feelings, and also let's remind everybody, the protagonist is a humongous liar in this thing – when you see that happening, it, it there's going to be a letdown at some point. And coming off of that high crescendo back into that is, I feel like for about 20 minutes, this movie loses itself. Like it really does lose itself. It does have a fantastic collapse of everything that the movie is supposed to be about. Um, and at the same time, my daughter and I were bawling our faces off. I can totally believe that. Yeah. Cause again, there was, there wasn't a dry eye in, in my theater either. No, there were people behind us sniffling, but mostly laughing at the fact that my entire family was crying. So, um, because I could, I could hear it, it was my daughter and I 
in one row. And then two rows ahead of us was my husband and our best friend. And then my son sat like one row ahead of them. Um, but I could hear like the sniffles because sound carries, especially in an empty theater. But, um, <laughs> we can emphasize it, we both saw this in mostly empty theaters. <laughs> it, 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 but it does lose itself. Um, it, it, most second acts are kind of, let's gather the pieces and throw them together. And that's really what uh -huh. we see happen here. That's the problem. In, that's the problem in this story. And, and it's the problem with the source material. It's the problem here in this movie too, is after that moment, when everything starts going quote good for Evan or whatever, it's the most boring part of this whole movie because it's like, no, he, he doesn't deserve this. That's not okay. And, and I'll, I'll give the movie this. If they'd gone on any longer with that, it would have gotten really like, I would have been a problem for me. I'd be like, we're focusing on the wrong thing. Way, way too much here. They cut it off at the right moment, but it, it almost, it just feels like, and I think part, part of it is what's going on in the story is so reprehensible. There's no way for you to get behind it and go like, no, I'm a logical human and I can't, I cannot support what is happening here. Right. And, you know, act two, we get um, the, the love song duet, which is fabulous. Only Us is a great song. Um, it's it's beautiful. But at the same time, what are we building this relationship on? And um, lies. We are building we're, it on it's lies. It's all built on lies. That's, except, that's the you know, thing. In this, in this moment, you get like the only true, like, hopeful, genuine feeling that you get through the entire thing. Right. Until the very end. Yeah. And, and you know, Zoe is the one that says, you know, we can spend time together and it not be about my brother. Like we, you know, we can have a relationship if you want. And they start to have a great relationship and it's, you see everything going. And then you called it out earlier. And it, this is Julianne Moore's best two scenes. When she shows up unexpectedly for dinner at the Murphy's. Right. And they're having this whole laugh back and forth or whatever. The look on her face, it's not, she's not offended as much as I think she's hurt. And she realizes I am so behind the pages of what's going on here that I'm embarrassed by this. Cause the Murphys want to, they put money aside for Connor to go to college. They want to give that money to Evan. And of course, Evan's like, yeah, you know, sure. You know what? And Heidi, uh, is like, absolutely not. That is not going to happen. That's very generous of you, but absolutely not. And then the, the way her and Evan have the fight in the parking lot in front of the house there was, I, I loved the way that was done because it's so, it, that could have so easily gone to 42, you know, on the level. And they both kept it at about a seven. And I thought it was the perfect bit of emotion is she, he's hurt that she's kind of embarrassed him in front of his new, you know, family, friends or whatever. And she's hurt that he would even consider something like that because you don't have to do that, Evan. You don't have to be that for other people. I don't know who these people are, but you don't either. And I, I love that she, she really is the reality to him at that moment. She is. And even though Jared tried to be a reality, his mother really comes, you, Heidi, the character of Heidi comes through as the real dedicated, hardworking, give all mom. And yeah. it's this moment where it's the hard talks. And I, I see it with other people around me um, who, who are parents. Um, they gloss over things. They let people get away. They let kids get away with certain behaviors. And in that moment, that scene that really hit home for me because it, I've had discussions like that. I've, I've had that parenting moment. And those are the 
parenting moments that so many people are afraid of. But in, in reality, they are the ones that make or break the, the person you're raising, the, the, the teenager who is about to become an adult. Um, and Julianne Moore, for me, every time she came on the screen, I was happy. I was relieved. It was like she was the, the solid anchor to the entire story. Because despite everything going on out here, she was always her. She never changed. She was solid. She was tried and true. And when we, you know, after Evan, you know, we have Evan go back to the Murphy's house to kind of talk to them and finally confess everything that he's done. It's, it's a beautiful song. The scene is not my favorite. It makes you uncomfortable. It's supposed to make you uncomfortable. It's, it's supposed to. And yeah, what we're, what we're talking about is the song Words Fail. And in, on the soundtrack, it's so, it, like, it's clean. And by that, I mean, it's sang and performed clean. He blubbers through it here as he should. And from all I could tell, again, from the bootleg show, I saw, that's pretty much what he does on the stage, too. Is And, and you should in that moment. Because w- what we should say is what has happened here is is two things. And I, I think our our director and our writer in particular and our songwriters specifically want to point the spotlight on social media culture for a minute. Um, and they've used, and that's one of the cool things about the show is that it's a bunch of screens on the stage that has like Twitter, you know, mentions flying and stuff. So it's, it's embedded as part of the, you know, the culture in the show. But what happens is Alana is desperate to make this funding goal. They're way short. Evans checked out on her. And so she starts to bug him. Like, you know, did you even know Connor? She, she started to call him out on it. And in the movie, it plays differently again than in the stage. We've talked about that, but he shares with her that letter, which is the suicide note as it were, and begs her not to post it. And I'm like, dude, you don't, you don't hand somebody like that, something like that, because of course she's going to, it's, she has no choice and she feels like she has no choice. And she's also mad at Evan. She is. She's mad, mad at him. She she wants payback. Mm-hmm. She I, I I didn't read it so much that she wanted payback. It's more of a how dare you hold this back? This is a great piece. We can use this to you know it'll really get people to to show out. So I got to tell you, I had a completely completely different feeling from that. I felt that her posting that was very vindictive and done in anger. And then it was, Oh shit, I need to pull this down. But everybody had already seen it and sharing. Uh, yeah. You can't, you can't un-internet things. That is you the truth. Cannot. So, and I have, yeah. you know, I add the number of times I have been the victim of that or been the person who accidentally posted something. Um, and then got, you know, we all know for, like we we've lived it. And, and that's the thing is what you get to see is it's not just, teenagers that deal with that and they do and it, it's horrific sometimes but the parents like the 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 youtube comments turn the guns on the folks and it's like i you know i mean there was things on there written that i thought that is it's brutally true as to how that would go down and so if i was in that family i understand you know i couldn't stand those people either and it's like Holy cow. And, you know, these are fragile, broken, hurt people that are just grasping onto any straw they can. They don't realize they're hanging on to a house of sand or a house of cards in the sand at this point. And to watch them unravel. And what I love is the way that they play all of it is dad is going, just put the phone away because that's what dad says. Right. But you can't. 
when you're the teenage girl and when you're the mom who's obsessed with all this stuff, you, you can't let it go. Irene is shaking her head for those podcasts, a visual I am, medium. But, I, I am <laughs> nodding and I wish, <laughs> I wish really, we, we did video when we did these because the, the expressions are great, but no, really it, it, it is. Um, I know with my own daughter, I, we have 100% control over her phone. Um, we can see who, what she posts, who she talks to, what her text messages say. We can see all of that stuff because we're protective because right. We have experienced the backlash of social media and it's, you know, mom, why can't I have Facebook? Why can't I put my face on TikTok? And I say, you know what? You can make as many TikTok videos as you want. I said, but nobody needs to see your face. So that's nobody's business. And I think it's because um, there are so many people out there who aren't aware of the world as a real entity. And yeah. I and I think this is what happens here for Alana is she's detached so much from the family by um, doing this memorial for Connor, for somebody she doesn't know um, in the same way that, that Evan has created a different personality for Connor um, that it isn't real to her until all of a sudden the comments roll in. And I, you know, God love the producers for um, this movie because they did not put on the kid gloves for this with no. demonstrating the types of comments and evil online bullying there is in the world today. Oh, completely. Um, they went for it because it was a, a, a gut wrencher. I felt my stomach pushing my heart up to my throat in that. Oh, I'm, I'm watching this and I'm just going like, I've seen this happen to so many people, friends of mine, people I've known and then just, you know, read about it. And just seeing people destroyed. Look, I, I'm a big football fan. People know that you get a football take wrong. You're going down in the mentions on, on Twitter, kids. I, I would tell you, I've been a part of those. I've seen it happen. I do not participate in such, but I've, I've seen the, the, the mob come for Frankenstein. <laughs> I mean, it is, it yep. is real and, and Dracula too. And look, it, it's all real and. I, I thought they did a great job of portraying how everyone would react to that and watching Evan see that and see the damage that his lies have, have ultimately brought. It's the second true moment in the movie for him mm -hmm. when he realizes I, I need to tell them. And he, again, he blubbers through it and, People, if you want to make fun of that, you, you're missing the point of the story. You're missing the point of what that person has done at this point. This is a guilty person coming to realization with what they've done. This is Peter crying after the cock crows the third time. This is all of that. It's all coming true at this moment. And he realizes what he's done. And it's a great title to a song, too. Words Fail. There's absolutely nothing I could possibly say to you right now. And what I love is that he tells them why he did it. You know, he says... At first, it was because you needed it, and I could give you that, and I've never given anybody anything that was of value. At least they never told me it was, but it really became because it, I could have the perfect girl pay attention to me. I could have the perfect mom who was just mom. She didn't have to be all these other things. I could have the perfect dad who can make corny jokes and always provide because my dad's completely gone in my life. He's not a part of my life. Things that they don't know about him. Mm -hmm. He's just kind of always played it off, and you you see – how heartbroken they all are. And, you know, Zoe storms out of the room. Larry goes after her, doesn't know what to say because dad doesn't know what to say at, at this point. And I, I love Amy Adams. She has a great moment there. And she just politely says, I think it's time for you to go. And I was like, Oh, that just hurt. I just cried with her. It was so she sad. Was, 
so good. I think you know, it couldn't have been better cast. It, it, yeah, the supporting cast in this is out of the park. If people want to bang on Ben Platt for being too old, whatever. I grew up with 90210. Teenagers have always been 30. But, um, you know, words fail. And then he is it, he goes home. He goes home mm-hmm. to his mom. And we get this reintroduction to Heidi, Julianne Moore's character. That is, again, the hardworking, give everything to her kid mom. And the song that she sings, So Big, So Small, might be um, one of my favorites in the entire show. I lose it. I'm starting to lose it now on the other end of the damn microphone here because it's just so good. It's, it's It's the whole thing there. It's Heidi's big moment. In the show and, it, and in the movie too. And I'm like you, I didn't know Julianne Moore could sing. Oh, and God, I'm not sitting here telling you, go did. give her a Tony, but she nails the emotion of the song. She tells the story about the day Evan's dad came to get his stuff when it was truly over. And Evan was so excited because there was a truck in his driveway. He's a little boy. He loves trucks. And having been a little boy, play with trucks. I related to this. And the way she tells that what he ends up asking her as a little boy is, is there another truck coming to take mom away? And you hear her go through that and to tell him that, hey, I'm I've always been here. I'm always going to be here. And yes, what you did is awful. But and she says it to him before she starts singing. And I thought it was great. But it's repeated in the song is that one day this is going to seem so, so nothing compared to everything else. And it's what but it gives a real emotional center to this. And that's when Evan admits to her something that if you haven't picked up on yet, you probably weren't paying attention. He didn't fall out of a tree. It's when we see that branch not break. Like I said, he let go of it. And that's when he admits that to her. And just the look on her face, it's not, I'm mad. It's not, I'm upset. It's, she is genuinely overwhelmed with that information. But at that time, she knows I need to tell my son he's okay and it's all right. And I will cry later in the bathroom when he can't see me. Because right now I have to be this other thing for him. And I don't know. I, I really appreciated the fact that Ben Platt, of course, is going to play that. He's played it a million times. He knows it. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's his life. Julianne Moore doing that. It almost had to feel like slipping in a warm bath because how many times have you seen Julianne Moore do that in a movie? That's how good she is. Oh, and, sh- and that's why she's so good in this role as the, the overworked, overstressed. I didn't know how I was going to do it. But I did at mom. It's another reason why we, it'd been great to have if anybody had a map in the thing, because you, you understand that's where Heidi comes from more, but maybe not having it makes this even have more emotional weight. I don't know. I, but again, this was a moment when everybody in the audience, everybody was <laughs> doing this. I heard like it. I'm and, doing right yeah, now. <laughs> I, yes, we both are. I mean, look, and because you, how can you not at that moment? If, if you're going with this at all, it's such a sad, but such a profound moment and if anybody's ever been with a friend who's confessed something like that to you you know the the only thing you can do is put your arm around them at that moment and And it's it's just so poignant and i think one of the the things that they don't accurately you know show on the screen because you can't is when those moments come when somebody confesses something like to you like that to you there's almost a moment of relief because you know you're not wrong and you know right. you're not crazy by all of the people watching and all. Of, and so at that moment, not only is she saying, God, oh, my God, this happened. But at the same time, she's feeling 
as a mother that the work she has put in has been for a reason to protect him. Because if she hadn't put that work in, he wouldn't have just broken his arm. He wouldn't be sitting there. Right. I mean, she could be the same place that Cynthia Murphy is, you know, and it's, and I, you know, it's, I mean, it's a big moment and I love the fact that, and they, it goes a little differently here from here on out and they, they extend the, the end of this to let it work out a little bit more because by the end of the show, you're, once you hit so big, so small, you can't, you need to get out of there. You need to go. <laughs> you're done. Um, I was but, done by the time we hit it in the movie too. Like, right. Right. But, here, but I, I like the fact that they extend this a little bit more because we have to see what Evan gets for this. And I, I love the fact that they take the time for him to go upstairs and to shoot that video of himself and going like, look, I made all this up. If you're going to be mad at somebody, you'd be mad at me, but leave the Murphys alone. You need to let him like he has to let them off the hook. Right. Now, whatever comes, comes. This entire thing, throughout mm-hmm. this entire thing, after his speech on his social media platform, he has all of these new he has people. He's like 20,000 followers. Everybody's yeah. following him because mm-hmm. they're impressed by the story that he told. So, right. you know, if anybody's going to get out there, the information that is actually factual, it's, it's him. him. Yeah. And only it's taking him. responsibility for your actions. That's taking the thing he does. Taking ownership for your actions. And exactly. And, and he has to own all of it. And the thing I liked about it is that he, he goes about like, I need to try to figure out who Connor really was. So he flips through a yearbook and he sees a list of Connor's favorite books from a couple of years before. And he says, okay. So systematically he just starts reading them. He just, and he's sitting alone at lunch and he doesn't care. He doesn't care what anybody thinks anymore. He's just doing his thing. He's just mailing it in at the end of high school. He is, and, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I want you to think of it this way. At that moment, he's not alone because Connor's with him. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It, that's what he has come to realize is that I can know you by knowing the things that you said you loved. And the one thing I got right, which was part of my lie, which the only reason I got it right was because your family fed it to me again, go back to the cold reading thing was that you loved that orchard. That was something that was important to you. And that's why when it ends there, it makes, it makes sense. But what I love that they added to this is they gave Connor another song. Um, they gave and- Connor personality. They gave yeah. him depth. They because gave they- him a story. They had dropped that bit about, oh, he never played his guitar for us. We don't know. You know, he did. And uh, we see Evan fail a few times reaching out to different people like, hey, did you know? I saw you tag this post. Did you know him? I'm just trying to get to know him. And one person finally writes back, says, no, but this person might help you. And he emails this random person on Gmail and who says, a, hey, who is, a, who is a member of Connor's rehab? Exactly. And says, hey, I knew him in rehab. I hope this helps. And he just sends him a little camera phone video of Connor singing a song, playing a song he wrote. And what Evan realizes at that moment is that's who Connor really was. And he couldn't show any of us for whatever reason. He, he never could. There are people that need to see this, but not the whole world necessarily. So he anonymously mails three, you know, thumb drive sticks. To the Murphys, to Alana, and to Jared, who all watch it while we're hearing the song and all that. And a little closer, it's a great song. And Colton Ryan does a great job singing it. And you get to see that. And what you see for the Murphys in particular is mom starts watching it. And then all of a sudden, Zoe's there. And then dad comes in. Okay, I'm going to talk because you can't no, no, talk no. anymore. And, and the three of them together start out sitting on different places on that couch. And at the end of it, they're like, you know, wrapped around each other. The way you have to be 
to really get over anything. And I, I thought that was, again, well-directed, well-shot, and well-paced. Because that's hard to do on a stage. Making that work on a screen, it's much more intimate. And It was that, beautiful. Yeah. It was um, kudos to all the actors who really just in that moment, I, I hope, and this is what I hope as a, as an actor, I hope that in that moment, that was their first time seeing that video because then those reactions are genuine Um, and nobody can see that you and I are bawling our faces out. We're such a hot mess. We need to stop reviewing (laughs) movies that make us cry because that's our thing. We're going to have to find uh, goofy things to talk about next. Maybe the net. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know jay and i lost a recording of the next great there, episode too there, there are two great lost episodes somewhere. in the 300 plus episodes of film strip <laughs> american pie with anna and brian and i and me and you in the net but uh anyway <laughs> but no but, it, it is a beautiful moment you're right it, and it and whether it was the first time they saw it or they weren't looking at anything you got three actors that know how to act. They, they were doing good stuff. And it's, it's an earned moment as an audience too, because Evan's not off the hook. You know, he's, he's going to have to play it real low for a little while, but we see at the end, Zoe has him meet her at that orchard and we see it's the Connor Murphy orchard. So we know the fundraising campaign kicked in and it worked and all this stuff. So it, it's a real thing again. And he asks her, you know, they have this moment together. It was, it's really sweet between uh, Ben Platt and, and Caitlin Deaver. And she says to him, like, I wish we were just meeting each other for the first time now, because maybe it'd be different, but it's not, you know, and they talk a little bit about what they're going to do for school, you know, this, that, and the other. And he asked her, why did you want me to meet you here of all places? And she said, I thought you should see the place that he really loved. And the unsaid part of that is because you made up so much about it. I wanted you to know you were right about some of it. And I was like, that's, that's kind of a, I mean, like he doesn't deserve that as a character, but I'm no, kind of glad she gave it to him. <laughs> but the fact that she gives it to him is what the, the theme of this movie is, is that nobody's all evil. Nobody's all Kaiser Soze. We're all in between a lot of things that you see and don't see. And the best thing you can beat each other is gracious. I'm going to agree with you, but disagree at the same time. I feel like we could have ended this movie with a little closer and gone on. I don't think we needed Evan to go to the orchard. I don't think we needed Zoe to give him some sort of, we didn't need any resolution to that relationship. We didn't need it because we knew what happened. And in the real world, nobody's going to reach out and do that. You're right. And for a second, Irina, I thought they weren't going to give us the coda. Cause I know that's part of the stage too, is she ends at, the, it's actually a reprise of, uh, for forever at the end of the, the show. Um, and she gives him that same moment, but there's a moment in the movie when he's just walking around the school in the aftermath or whatever. And she walks by him with two of her friends and she just ignores him. But then she stops and she turns around for a second. Like she wants to say something, but then she just keeps going. And I thought, you know what? If they don't do the orchard end, I would be okay with it because that's almost this. It's almost the same thing without any words. Yeah. There's yeah. that acknowledgement and I see you without having to have a discussion about it. I, I wonder if, and again, the executive producers of this are the people that made the show. I wonder if they insisted, no, you got to do, we got to see the orchard at the end because 
the audience deserves to know that that happened or whatever. I don't know. I, I'm curious. I haven't seen or heard anything about it. I wonder if they, they wanted it, but the director was like, well, if I get my way, I'm going to have this scene just to well, be safe. You know, I'm curious too, because it would have been much more appropriate in a film setting to end with seeing Connor play. Yeah. You know, take it away from the iPhone picture and have it be, you know, full screen. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? Exactly. No, no, I'm, I'm following exactly. It would have, it would have been a great way, but we end with the way that the show ends too is, and with the way the movie started is Evan writing himself a letter and he's basically telling himself like, you don't have to lie. You don't have to make anything up. You can just be you and it's enough even when it's not. And I, I, the message of that is what the center theme of this whole show is about anyway, is that your own, you don't have to ever feel alone because you can just be enough by yourself. You don't need other people to make you whatever you are, but if you're going to be around other people and we all are, don't be a dick on the internet and (laughs) be gracious to each other when you have the chance, because someday you'll be on the other end of the stick when you need mercy. And you know, Zoe and her family, and, and and she she says it to him in the lockers there too. Is like my parents don't want to say anything because they don't want to you know all the good that's been done in Connor's memory. They don't want to mess up, and they don't want you to hurt yourself because they're afraid you might. And they've already lost one son, and that's all she can say. And it's like, wow. Yeah. I, but you know the fact that the the Murphys, in a moment when they could have retribution, decide to extend mercy, gives you hope for the rest of the life. You know. Yeah, it, it does. Um, it does. I was just sitting here thinking to myself that it would be great if a little closer ended with the no one deserves to be forgotten. No one deserves to disappear and then end the whole yeah. movie and be done. Even though that See? entire song was out. God, why didn't they have me on? The they could have done it, but they, they didn't. Have done it. But, you know, well, all in all, it's a good movie. So let's. Well- well, Irene, I think we're at the part of the podcast where it's time to give final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings for this. So let me ask you a question. Mm. Can this movie be more than the stage play and musicals already been? What are your final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings for Dear Evan Hansen? So the answer is one word. No. Mm. No. I believe that this piece, as though, even though it was well done as a movie, I think it's more more effective on the stage. I think it should stay as a stage production, especially because of the ability to use screen, um, you know, screen projection. And um, there's something about those extra pieces that were cut from this movie that give you more depth about the characters. And I feel like we missed some of that. Um, so for popcorn, we know that I am stingy. I'm stingy, stingy. I'm, I'm going to give it a medium. And since my son squirted all the butter all over his popcorn, by the way, we found a great trick. If you stick a straw in the middle of the popcorn and you put it underneath the butter thing, you can get the, the butter all the way through the popcorn by lifting the straw up and it just goes through everything. So that's the kind of a medium popcorn this is. Good buttery medium popcorn. I want to tell you, I walked into this knowing the story, knowing the soundtrack, been listening to it all week uh, to gear up for this. And then in double rotation, since you and I traded text messages, I knew we were doing this. I went in loaded with like, I know what this can be. I also went in with a scant bit of knowledge of I hear what people are saying. I'm going to just try to set that over here and ignore all of that and just 
feel it for what it is. And the thing is, is I, because I knew the story and because I like the song so much and I like what the ultimate message is, which I think is one of when you have the opportunity to show mercy, but do it for the right reasons, not for your own selfish ones. I can get behind that. And I was sort of, pro, I had a proclivity to give this a pass no matter what it was. Having seen it now, I don't know that I'll ever watch this movie. When I have the chance, I'm going to go see this on a stage. Um, because I think it belongs there and I think it lives there. And I, I want to tell you, like I downloaded one song off of the movie soundtrack because I think the remix of waving through the window is kicking. It's much cooler rhythm section. Uh, no offense to the Broadway guys, but Holy cow. I mean, they really beefed it up. Uh, but otherwise, man, that's, that's my version of this is the stage version. And I really think it should be yours. If you went and saw this cold, well, you're brave. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> I don't know that it would make you want to go see it, but I would encourage you go see the play, go see the, go see the musical, watch it when you get a chance, listen to the soundtrack. I think you'll dig it more. That said, what, what we get here is competently made. It's well acted and, and get even beyond Platt, who I think is great in this role. I mean, it's his role. The supporting cast in this are perfect. You can't change any one of them out and it'd be better. I can't give you a single person I would sub anybody, anybody for here uh, in any of this. And because of that, because it is competently made and it is good, I'm giving it a medium popcorn as well. But I, I tend to agree with you. I think this is one that didn't need to make it to the silver screen or you know what it would, it would have been interesting to see. And I, it would be hard to do because of the way they use projection and the screens and stuff is, you know, the treatment that, that we gave Hamilton when we shot a really good version of it from multiple camera angles and everybody mic'd up just good. That would be cool to see for this again. Like I, I would be game for that if they would have done that with this, but you know, I agree with you. And there are so many movies that they did the way that they did Hamilton. They did cats. They did Cinderella back when it was, uh, I don't remember what her name was. Um, Leslie Ann Warren. Um, so they did it with Cats, Cinderella. They did it with Hamilton. Um, anytime they, oh, Shrek, Shrek the musical. Mm -hmm. They did the same thing with that too, which is fabulous. But anytime you have that extra, you know, get rid of the smoke and mirrors stuff, um, it's a little bit more personal. It's a little bit more yeah. intimate. You feel like you're in the audience experiencing it with the actors on stage. Um, but I'm I'm really glad that you and I both came to the same consensus that um this belongs on the stage. And I mm -hmm. said that from the from the outset of hearing my husband say, Oh yeah, Dear Evan Hansen's gonna be a movie. I was like, Why? I, I can tell Why? you the the one other medium I think this would have worked in. And it's only because I watched that that show um that FX had a cruel summer recently. Mm -hmm. My wife and I binged that show. Awesome show, by the way. You should watch that if you haven't seen that. <laughs> um so well made and and smart. This would have worked like that as an eight or 10 limited series episode thing. Even if you wanted to do it as a musical still, I think it would have oh, worked yeah. like that because you give time to stretch all that. Because the that thing is that the, brilliant as a mini series, you're right. right? That's it what I'm saying. Like beautiful. this, this works as like one of those things. Whereas as a movie, you have to make choices and combine things. And as a stage play, I mean, again, it's about three hours long anyway uh, on a stage. It's also an experience because you're there with it versus the, no matter what you do, I love movies, but, you're not in it, you know, even in a 3d right. movie, you're friggin' not in it. I mean, that, that's part of, and there's no way to recreate that. And, and I know why they did it. I just don't think it entirely worked. That's why I said, I watched it. I'm glad I saw it because I would have wanted to see it. And 
I think it was, it wasn't, it's not the worst thing ever that the internet would have you believe. So once again, that's the other side benefit of this is believe very little of what you see on the internet, children. Experience it for yourselves. But exactly. Same exact thing. Form your own opinions. Exactly. Form your own opinions. Just have the same opinion as someone else because it feels good at the time. And and hey, guess what? You can, uh, Irina and I saw the same movie, had different reactions to it, and still came to the same conclusion. That may not always happen for you, and that's okay. As, uh, you know, the guys on We Hate Movies like to say sometimes it's okay to like a movie. It's also okay to hate one if you don't, if it, don't, if it ain't for you, you know, and I, I will say now this ain't for everybody. Um, but I had a lot more of an enjoyable experience doing this than the last musical I reviewed, uh, which was La La Land. And my thoughts on that are in the archive section that you can hear about uh, on filmstrippodcast.com. That'll take you to all the places you can follow the show, follow the show, social media, share the show with others. We appreciate the support. Always fun talking movies here with you all and fun talking with you to Irina. So thanks for being here as a part of this for our review of Dear Evan Hansen. So everybody take care and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.